door for Children's Church. Please enjoy. Hello. Test, 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 test. I'm on. All right. <clears throat> well, welcome to National Youth Pastor Preaching Day. I say that because I've been doing this for a long time, and you always know the Sunday before Memorial Day, you're going to preach. So it's perfect. I have to give Daniel a hard time. Uh, he texted this morning and said, praying for you guys, go for it, which is, he always does. And uh, I had to admit to him, and I'll admit to you guys this morning, that I did forget the donuts. So I replied to Daniel, I forgot the donuts, and I hope the church is still standing when you get back. But my name is Truett. I'm the youth pastor in these parts. And uh, I would, I would I'd not be cool if I brought up National Youth Pastor Preaching Day and didn't bring up Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is super important. And young people, it is because others have put down their lives for us, for our freedoms. And I really want to recognize the, um, the active and past uh, military that's in this room. So would you mind standing for me and let's give you a round of applause. If you're a past or present military, give them a round. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for your service, everyone. I, the Schilling family thanks you for putting your rear round on the line for all our freedoms and for my family. Um, and, you know, you know this, those of you stood up, you were blessed to be able to come home. And tomorrow we're celebrating and remembering those that weren't, then weren't that lucky to be able to come back home. So uh, praise the Lord for all of you. I just wanted to say that right off the bat. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the words of Jesus. And every time you hear me speak, I, if I don't talk about Jesus, there's something wrong. So we're going to talk about the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount uh, today. Um, and we're going to talk about worry, because I think worry is a big joy sucker and a downer altogether, right? A happiness zapper. And when I think about worry and how it sucks joy and sucks happiness out of a room, I didn't watch a lot of the Harry Potter stuff, but I do remember there was a thing on Harry Potter called the Dementors. The Dementors were demons that sucked, sensed human happiness enjoy and they sucked it out of the people kind of creepy I was going to show you a picture of it but it was kind of creepy and you just so I just when I think of, of you know a joy sucker that's what I think is those dumb dementors that would suck the happiness and the joy of people leaving them hopeless and stressed and sad now when I think about joy itself I think about my family vacations as a kid my dad was a history buff, so he drug us all to the, all across the South to the, all the old battlefields. And I remember those. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of joy. I remember getting married to my Ruthie down there. I remember the birth of my daughter, Miss Elsa Bailey, down there. I remember those are times of joy that I can remember. But when I get asked, what does joy look like, I always think, and you guys are going to laugh at me, and I don't care. That's okay. That's okay. Actually, I hope you laugh a little bit this morning because we're supposed to laugh and have fun in, in the Lord's house. I think of Mary Poppins. I grew up on Mary Poppins, um, 
And there was a scene in Mary Poppins where Mary Poppins finds out about her Uncle Albert. Her Uncle Albert. And I love Mary Poppins because my grandmother, I can't remember if she, I, she had a daycare that she ran in her home until she was in her late 70s. She had kids every day until she was in her late 70s. And I grew up going to her house. She lived a mile from me. And she always had a baby on her hip up into her 70s. And uh, I know Mary Poppins was placed a lot, played a lot at her daycare. And I can't remember if I watched Mary Poppins a lot at her daycare or if my grandma, if my grandmother, my nanny, reminded me of Mary Poppins. I think it was because she reminded me of Mary Poppins. She was uh, stern but fun and could just, do cra just pull crazy things out of her purse at any time. So Mary Poppins finds out about Uncle Albert. Now, who remembers this scene right here in Mary Poppins? Anybody remember it? Okay. Uncle Albert, right? Uncle Albert, all the kids are going, what are you talking about, Tritt? Uncle Albert. Uncle Albert had a serious condition, it said. It said when they went to visit him that he had been floating, sorry, floating for three days. And Uncle Albert's condition was, when he laughed or had joy, he floated. And he had been laughing for three days and having a good time. They did tell him a sad story to get him down, and he came down a little bit, but then he started talking, he started laughing, and this scene reminds me of joy, pure joy. And even Mary Poppins uh, went up in her Mary Poppins way because Mary Poppins could fly. I don't know if you guys know that. But Mary Poppins went up, and uh, Bert started laughing, and he started going up to the, you know, he's telling the kids to come down. And Bert started laughing. He went up. And then Mary Poppins ended up in the rafters with Uncle Albert and the gang because joy was contagious. Um, little fact about Truett is I was the head chimney sweeper in my third grade play in D. Queen, Arkansas. And I uh, still know the song and everything. Chim, chimney, chim, chimney, chim, chim, tree. I sweep because I sweep because I sweep because I be. Thank you. We'll move on. <clears throat> See, I believe worry... Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. appreciate it. Uh, I believe worry is an isolator, which makes us withdraw. And I think joy, is just like in Uncle Albert's case, is contagious. It brings people together. <sighs> Christians, we need more joy. We need more joy in our life. We need more joy and less worry. You know... Here I am, I have you at church this morning to worry about your worries. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, but I believe, really, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, gives us a way through worry and anxiety. And that's what we're going to look in in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. So turn your, to your Bibles. I'm, I'm not going to have all of this up here because you should have your Bibles with you. Okay? If, you know, you, you could have it on your phone. You could have it on your phone, too. So I'll let you do that way. So Matthew chapter 6, we'll start with uh, verse 25, okay? Therefore I tell you, do not uh, worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. It is not, it is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And which of you, being 
anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They grow. They are neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like the one of these. Um, but if God so clothes the grasses of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O of you, of you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious about anything, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here is the key that he talks about. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So, in this passage, Jesus is focusing on some things that we often worry about, right? Food, drink, drink, clothing, the future. I, I, I worry about food because I like to eat. I like to eat. And I was disappointed also when I remembered that I had forgot donuts. Um, so, verse 31, he says, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Uh, Jesus takes us through each one of these concerns in this chapter and reminds us of the truth in order to help us get rid of worry in our lives. And maybe not get rid of worry in our lives, but have us worry less. So there's three things I'm going to talk this morning about worry. Okay, so the first is Jesus commands us not to worry. Commands us not to worry. That's a big command, right? Easier said than done. Jesus wants our faith to change our perspective. If we focus on the world and its worries, number three, if we focus on the world and its worries, we will miss what God wants to give us. I wonder how often I worry about, uh, I wonder how often I miss out on God's presence or what God wants to give me because I'm so focused on the stuff that doesn't matter. So focused on the junk of this world. Um, uh, some of you know I, I'm not a big reader. I, I read the, God's Word, and I'm not a big reader. But I did Google this quote, and it's from Dr. Stanley Jones. He was a missionary, Christian missionary in the 1900s. And I love this quote about uh, faith. I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are the sands in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. So basically what he's saying there is when we have faith, it makes everything work better, and we worry less. It is how it's supposed to work. And when we worry, we put sand and dirt in the machinery of life. And it's a scientific fact, actually, that warriors, do you know this? Warriors actually die before non-warriors. They actually die nine years before non-warriors. Non, uh, non that's, that's a long time. Nine years is a long time. So the first one we're going to get started with is Jesus commands us not to worry. Now, at the very beginning of 25, he says, do not worry. He doesn't say, do not worry try, like try not to worry. He says, do not worry. It sound, kind of sounds like a commandment to me. It doesn't seem like a, uh, maybe if you want to. It says, do not worry. 
and, and 25. Have you ever had a day with no worry? Yes, I have, Forrest. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, maybe on a vacation or a day off or as a kid. It was pretty great, wasn't it? A lot of, you know, I remember as a kid not having any worries. And the big reason I didn't have a worry is because I trusted my parents. They were going to take care of all the problems. I didn't have to have any problems because <laughs> my parents would take care of all the problems. And I think that's something biblical about that, about show us how we should trust our Heavenly Father and maybe not worry as much, just like I trusted my parents. Anyway, that's a whole other thing that I'll, I'm going to get sidetracked. Do you think kids and teens have worries? Yes. <laughs> this whole row is over. Yes, we have worries. So, yes, they have worries. I think, actually, kids and teens these days actually have more worries than adults. I, I think they do. And there is a, a stat that I found from 2009 to 2019. Now, if you hear that, 2019, right before COVID, 2020, I'm sure there's a whole other study that's going to come out in 2020 till so-and-so. But this is from 2009 to 2019. Look at these worries. The cases of major depression among teen ages 16 to 17 rose by over 69%. Feeling of anxiety and hopelessness increased by 71% among people ages 17 to 25. One out of five girls ages 12 to 17 had experienced major depression within the last year. And this is the crazy one. That's heartbreaking. Between 2009 and 2019, the suicide rate among teen, teens ages 18 to 19 increased by 56%. They worry. They worry. Don't think that they have it easy. They worry. <clears throat> so how did Jesus say to handle worry in verse 33? Look at that verse 33. How did Jesus say to handle worry in verse 33? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Again, easier said than done, I know that. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to do this, and we need to teach the next generation how to do this. We need to tell them how to do this. We need to model how to do this, to seek first the kingdom of God. But sadly, what's happened in our culture is it's not the first thing anymore. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not the first thing anymore. It's really sad. It's not even the second, third, fourth, or fifth thing anymore. It's on down the line. And it's why that our worry and stress, especially in our teenagers and kids, has started happening. You know, it used to, um, back in the day... Uh, the, the like things like um, the divorce rate inside the church was uh, way lower than the divorce rate outside the church. It was almost non-existent inside the church. And um, but now it's the same. It's the same. And we wonder what's happening here. We wonder what's there because we're not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all things. You know, especially with our kids, you know, what's happening these days, and I always get in trouble for this. I might as well just start off here. I've only been here five or six months. So I'll just... I told you guys this when you brought me here, that I'm a pot stirrer. I like to stir the pot. 
So I'm going to say this, and this is truth. This is truth. It says, what I've seen happen as a youth pastor over my 25 years, 30 years, is I've seen extracurricular activities require sacrifice and faith a convenience. I've seen going here and going there and doing this and, and being athletic and all this other stuff. I've seen it take sacrifice. Oh, you're not going to miss practice. Oh, you're not going to miss that game. Or you're not going to miss that club, you know, or whatever. And what's happened is church, oh, we'll go to church if, it, if we have time. We'll do spiritual things if we have time. I think that's some truth in there. It needs to be reversed. It needs to be reversed. Our faith should require sacrifice. And all those other things should be a convenience if we have time, right? Amen? Anybody? Anybody out there? Okay. Okay. Jesus command us, commands um, to not worry seems impossible. I mean, how can we even do that? How can we even do that? How can we do that, not worry? Well, John 14, 7. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only truth, peace is found in Jesus. I kind of changed the end there. Only truth, peace is found in Jesus. So... Here's the, here's the question. Is We all know that, right? We all know John 14, 7, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We all know that verse. You know it. I know it. But how is that truth changing our behavior? How is that truth changing us? When we're in a, a sticky situation and we don't know where to go or which way to go or which way is up or don't see, everything's foggy, do we choose Jesus' way. When we are hit with lies in all different types of circumstances in society and our culture, are we just going along with it? Or are we speaking the truth that Jesus talks about? If we're worried about our life and we have no peace and we're going here and there exhausted trying to be all things to all people, we can't figure out this life. Are we being Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Are we being his life? Are we looking to, to the, what Jesus says about our life? Okay. The key to not worrying, I think, one of the keys to not worrying, is of knowing who Jesus is. He's our Savior. Jesus is our Savior, died on the cross for our sins, and remembering what he did for the world. He died for us on the cross. And what he does in the world, Jesus is actively present today. The tomb is empty, right? Jesus is actively present in our world, right? What he does in the world today, and most importantly, how he is in our lives and what he's done in our lives, which is our testimony, which is the most important thing we have, is our testimony. He is actively present present in this world. Colossians 1 tells me that he actually holds all things together. Colossians 1.16, for by him and all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
The reason we're not floating off into a million parts this morning is because of Jesus. He's holding us all together. You know, kids, Infinity Wars. Infinity Wars at the end of the Avengers, you know, when everyone was crying in the theaters because uh, Spider-Man disappeared. He went in those little particles. Some of you have seen Infinity Wars. But at the end, all these heroes, Avengers heroes, start just floating off in little particles. My daughter was one of them that were crying about Spider-Man. Tom Holland. Oh, Tom Holland's disappearing. But the reason we're all held together is because Jesus holds it all together. Jesus commands us not to worry. We need to lean on his truth. He calls us not to worry, commands us not to worry. Okay, number two. Jesus wants our faith... <clears throat> oh, it's sticking there. Jesus wants our faith to change our perspective. Jesus wants our faith to change our perspective. Faith to change our perspective. Faith to change life, lives. Faith to change our perspective. The faith to change, insert here. The faith to change it all in your life. Our faith should change us. It's very easy. Our faith should change us, right? <clears throat> I know some of you are always in a hurry to get to Russellville on Highway 27. I've seen it. I've been one of those people. I like to set my cruise control to 55 just so it stays, okay, a little over 55. She gave me a look. I just like to stay there. I know what I'm doing. I don't have to worry about being pulled over. But when you're going 35, 45, 55, 65, 35, 45, 65, 45, 35, 40, I start to worry. I start to worry, right? I know some of us, we're worrying about getting to somewhere when it's going to be there, will we, no matter how fast we go. It's still going to be there in Russellville waiting on us, right? I found an awesome thing. I uh, own a home in Bella Vista, and uh, I found, I follow the neighborhood news on Facebook, and I ran across an awesome post about people worrying about the wrong stuff. And I'm just going to read this from you from the Facebook post. This is so good. Uh, this is from a guy in Bella Vista. Uh, from last week, actually, I saw this. Uh, I am 83 years old, and I was in the McDonald's drive-thru this morning, and the young lady behind me leaned on her horn and started mouthing something at me because I was taking too long for her liking. So when I got to the first window, I paid for her order along with mine. I paid for her order along with my own. The cashier must have told her what I had done because we... When, as we moved up in the line, she leaned out her window and waved at me and mouthed, thank you, with the heart symbol. <laughs> Obviously, she was embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. When I got to the second window, I showed them uh, both receipts, and I took her food, too. <laughs> I love this guy. I love this guy. I love this guy. Now she has to go back to the end of the queue and start all over again. Don't blow your horn at old people. They have been around longer than you. Billy Arnold from Bella Vista. <clears throat> so if you ever see Billy Arnold from Billy Vista, Bella Vista, just uh, tell him that I used him in a, a message. 
Another thing, we shouldn't worry about that stuff. We should just let people order. They can take all the time in the world. And if they're, I, I really think if you make it to 70 years old, you can do whatever the heck you want. I don't care how fast you do it. I don't care. You just take your time. I, whatever I can do, you, whatever you want, I'll make it happen. How about this? Who's done this before? We, we, we worry about Facebook. We worry about stuff on Facebook. Why do we worry about stuff on Facebook? We don't know those people. Why do we worry about it? Snapchat. I call it crap chat. But why do we worry about stuff on the snap? Who's done this before? Who's wrote this big old long paragraph before out, and before you send it, you delete it? No one's done that? That's just me? I do that all the time because I have all kinds of nuggets grappling about how parents should do this and parents should do that. And I usually don't post them. I usually delete them before sending them. Faith to change. How about this? Faith to change our schedule perspective. Faith to change our schedule perspective. Faith that on Sundays I am going to be in God's house. The schedule perspective. Faith that I'm going to put my kids in the best place of blessing that I can on Wednesday nights at youth group, on Sunday mornings at church, on a mission trip, a faith that changes your scheduled perspective. Your scheduled perspective. Faith changes us. Let me tell you, when you, I had a batting coach in base, when I played baseball, and I thought I knew how to play baseball until I met this coach. I thought I could hit the ball okay until I met this, co met, met this coach. And then he just told me one day after watching me play baseball that said, Schilling, I don't know how you hit the ball. It's just pretty much all luck. I went, oh, that's not good. I thought I was a pretty good baseball player. Well, he showed me some things to do where I could see the ball better as it came in. And I'll tell you what, I started hitting better. His influence on me changed me. Changed me. It made me be better. So if faith influences you, it should change you, right, folks? It should change you. It should change you. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, Paul talking to the Corinthians, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Think about that. That's some truth from Paul right there. Our faith should cause us to have more of an eternal focus than a temporary focus, right? We should invest and change our perspective to things that are eternal instead of temporary. Your athletic ability, believe me, I know, I'm 48 years old. Temporary, temporary, temporary. I went to see Elsa at college, and they were playing this basketball game, and they had this big, cool place that it was a basketball court, but it was all trampoline. It was all trampoline. Eight-foot golds. I thought I was going to be an all-star. In my mind, I thought I was going to be an all-star. I was stole the ball. Everyone was on the other side of the court. I went to jump. Even with the trampoline, I could hardly dunk the thing. <laughs> Temporary. Temporary. Our faith should cause us to have an eternal focus instead of a temporary focus. It says... It is by faith that we see God who is invisible, and by faith we look to an unseen heaven and hell, right? It's by faith, right? And faith is the evidence of things not seen. 
Hebrews 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we need to focus, students, focus on the eternal things, the unseen things. You focus on the seen things, they're going to rot and deteriorate. If you put your hope on them, they're, gonna, they're not going to be there forever, okay? So let me, I'm going to try something. I saw this, this little object lesson. Being a youth pastor, we love object lessons, okay? Does everybody know that? Okay? So I'm going to try this. So here's, let me get this piece of paper so I don't screw it up. Here's our object lesson, okay? So I got two boxes here. I got a worry box, right? Let me see if I can get this one out. And I got, oh, I got another worry box. That's not going to work. I got a God box, okay? Anybody see my problem to start off? <laughs> the worry box is way too big, and the God box is way too little, right? Not going to work, okay? So let me tell if anyone else can relate to this, okay? So what's some worries that we have, okay? This is, um, anybody? Who's got a worry? Just yell it out. Anybody got a worry? Money. That's a great one. Money. I'll just do a dollar sign, okay? Okay. Money. Anybody else? What? Evil? Oh, people. Thank you, evil. People. People. That's just stress. Who else? Popularity, being popular. I, can, I hear that all the time. It's a great one. All right? Anyone else? Kids. They're out of school now. What are you going to do now? Right? Okay. Anybody else? Health. 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 Yeah. Health. Okay. So we got some worries in the worry. In the, um, I put them in the wrong box. That's okay. Because someday we go in the hair, but I was going to take them out here anyway. So here's what we do. We take these worries, a lot of the times, if you're like me, and see if anyone relates to this, I just, I, you know, I'll give my worries to God. Okay, so let's just do one of uh, popularity, okay? Let's popularity. Um, I'm, going to give that, I'm going to give that to God. Put it right there in the God box, right? Okay? And then I'm going to go to like a school thing. And I'm like, oh, um, you know what? Um, God, I'm going to take that back from you. It's not going to work, right? Or how about, how about money? Money. That's a big one, right? I'm going to put that, give that to God, right? I'm going to put it in the God box. And then I go throughout the day, I'm pretty good. Uh, um, nothing's really happening. I'm not, hadn't won the sweepstakes, the lotto or anything. Um, I'm laying in bed like at 1 a.m. in the morning. Uh, uh, God, I'm taking it back. You can't have it. I'm going to take it back, right? Who else does that? Does anyone else's mind work like that? Where you give it to God for a little while, and then when it just, it's just too much, just take it back. And we start worrying again, right? We start worrying all again. So here... Here's what we need to, Here's our problem, right? Is our worries are too big, and our God is too small, right? Our worries are too big, and our God is too small. So what we need to do is we need to flip this around, right? We need to have a bigger God, 
and smaller worries, right? That's what we really need to do. Now, <clears throat> so sometimes we, we, we get our worries um, out and we, we start giving them to God. You know, oh, I've got another worry. Something else came back, this, that, or the other. Okay, I'm, I'm giving it a worry. But really, what it says in 1 Peter 5.17 is cast all your anxieties on you because he cares for you and we should become hidden with God and Christ in Colossians 3.3. So really what we should do is we should take our worries and be hidden in Christ and put them all there all the time. Put them there all the time. I used to work at um, Piggly Wiggly in D Queen. Anybody else remember Piggly Wiggly at all? Piggly Wiggly? And I worked with this older lady that was in her 70s, and she's always giving me little golden nuggets, and I told the youth group this one, I think, before. But she was always saying, Truett, when you have something, don't take it on. Just pass it on to Jesus. Don't take it on. Don't even take the weight of it. Just shift it over to him. Don't ever take it on. And that's what we like to do is we just like to grab those worries and take them back. You see, if we choose to have faith in God who owns everything, it says a cattle on a thousand hill, hills. And when I think about that, a cattle on a thousand hills, that's a stinky place. That's a lot of cattle. In Psalms 50, that's what it says. And he will take care of every need. We can actually find ourselves worrying less, right? So when worry becomes less, our focus then can move from the stuff to the one we need the most, right? Big God, small worries. Jesus wants our faith to change our perspective. He really wants our faith to change our perspective. If we focus on the world and its worries, we will miss what God wants to give us. Like I said, I wonder how much we are focused on stuff that are out of talk or out of our control. That is, the stuff we. I was wondering. I'm, I'm saying things backwards. Let me get my thoughts together. Talking like Yoda there for a second. Yoda talked backwards, just so you know. Um, I wonder how often we focus on the things of the world that we miss the best that God wants to give us. The enemy is really good at that with me getting me to focus on the things that don't matter so I miss the best that God has for me. The enemy is always active too. Jesus is present and active in this world, but also is the enemy. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is even active today. He is even active today. Someone once said that we need to focus on the giver of gifts, not the gifts themselves. I love what it says here in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. We are called to humble ourselves. We are called to humble ourselves, worries and all, and to focus on God. And he will lift us up at the right time. He will lift us up. Now, when you know who said this verse, who was speaking at this verse in 1 Peter, I guess who uh, is Peter that's talking, Peter was kind of a knucklehead. He was speaking from experience, right? He was speaking from experience. He was like, in due time, 
the Lord will lift you up. So if we go back to a situation that happened with Peter in Matthew 14. If you remember Matthew 14, Matthew 14 is where uh, Jesus has walked out on the water to meet the disciples in the boat. And Simon Peter, being kind of the smart aleck he was, he, you know, they were all scared, they were all scared, and, and Simon Peter had the gust to call out to Jesus and say, is the, if that's you, Lord, let me walk out on the water to you. Uh, this is the TIV version, Truett International Version. So Peter was gutsy enough to actually get out of the boat and start walking towards Jesus. Keeping his eye on Jesus, he was walking on top of the water. But guess what? He took his eyes off the water, it says, when he saw the wind, when he saw the worry, when he saw the distraction, he got distracted. And what happened to Peter? He started sinking, right? Started sinking, took his eyes off Jesus, started focusing on the worries instead of having his eyes in the right place. The next thing is what I want to concentrate on is yes, Peter started sinking, but he also did something else. He started reaching out for Jesus. He started reaching out towards Jesus. And here's the thing when he reached out to Jesus, hey, ah, eh. Jesus reached out to him and grabbed him. And grabbed him. Jesus didn't say, oh, psych. Jesus didn't say, you're a knucklehead. Just, just get wet. You're a knucklehead. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you good, no faithless, faithless guy. He didn't say that. Jesus reached out his hand. Jesus reached out his hand, and Peter was reaching out towards Jesus. If we focus on this world and its worries, we will miss what God wants to give us. So, as the worship team comes forward, I just want you guys to think about this. We can get a handle on worry if we really focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, so are you sinking? Are you sinking today? If you're sinking, maybe the problem isn't that you're sinking. The problem is that you're not reaching out to the hand of Jesus who's reaching out to you this morning. If you want Jesus this morning, reach out and grab him. He is reaching towards you this morning. He is reaching towards you this morning. If you want him, reach out to him. Are you sitting here this morning? Are you consumed with worry? Don't be. Do you have a friend or family member struggling with worry and stress? Do you feel down? Do you feel exhausted? Are you getting hopeless? Jesus is reaching out for you today. Are you ready to reach out towards him today? Are you ready to reach out towards him today? So I think we're going to sing this last song. It's another response time. If you want to come out and, and grab a hold of Jesus this morning, just feel free to come forward and just give it to him this morning. Reach out towards him this morning, okay, everybody? Let's do that. Let's pray, and we'll, we'll uh, do some worship here. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you uh, for letting us be in your house this morning. It's always good to be in your house.
Lord, we just thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us, to show us the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. Lord, we just what a privilege we have to have the same spirit live in us that raised your son from the dead on the third day. What a privilege, Lord. May we always feel the, the magnitude of that, Lord. Lord, I pray that if someone here does not know you, Lord, that they would reach out towards you today and grab a hold of you, Lord. You are there waiting on them. You always have been, and you're reaching out once more again for them this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give them courage and boldness and a I-don't-care-what-anyone-else-thinks attitude to really get serious about you this morning. We thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand and sing.